0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first ever initiative podcast, where we have honest conversations on the state of Christianity and hopeful thoughts about its future. Your hosts are me, Ian Harbour. I'm the director of marketing for Initiative, Chelsea Vaughn, the director of internal relations, John Pendergrass, the assistant director. And of course, Grant Skeldon, the founder and director of Initiative. Today's conversation is on discipleship. What is discipleship? Why is it so important to young adults in the millennial generation and how can young adults and older adults work together to advance the kingdom. Thanks for joining us on this first ever episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. I'll be back after the conversation to fill in any gaps, but until then, I hope you enjoy. Hey, you know what? You can totally I can't actually that. That. <laughs> I mean. Hey, you <laughs> know, let's, let's, restart. let's restart it. Let's restart it. I got an idea. I got okay. an idea. Okay. Restart okay. Us. what is your idea? No, we're just, I'll cut. Just, you keep going. I think we should talk, uh, why don't you tell everybody why we're doing the podcast? Why do we choose to do a podcast? Why are we doing a podcast? Okay, well maybe Grant, maybe you can help me out in there too somehow. But uh, for me, like I think a podcast. We want we're wanting to do a podcast because um, we we go to several different things and like we have people ask us the same questions over and over again about different things. We just we find ourselves explaining things like over and over again multiple right, times, right. and so. Um, like those conversations are good but i think it'd be good if every time we have those conversations people seem to um it seems to be a new concept for them in a lot of in a lot of ways and i think when you spend so many so much time with the same people and you have a lot of the same conversations it gets kind of ingrained in your culture right. and um just as an organization or as a friend group or whatever and then when you talk to other people about it outside of that group then it is a revolutionary idea and you kind of forget like that these are different than what a lot of other people think. And so in order to sort of answer a lot of those questions, we want to just take those, those things that we hear all the time that we get asked all the time or the conversations we always find ourselves in and then just have a conversation about it right here. It's where we're kind of wrestling through it together and um, people can listen in. So if someone asks like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? We can say, Oh, well here's a general overview, but you can go listen to the podcast Um, and get lots of insights where we just talk about it and you'll hear it from a few different angles and hopefully that'll help out. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. And one of our on top of that, one of our main values, one of our four core values is building character. And I think all of us have seen over the past year of initiative, like these different things that we're talking about has built character in us. And if they've built character in us then why can't they build character in someone else? Um, And so we're just wanting to take these topics and so if you're out there listening to this then hopefully these will help you uh help push you closer to god in a lot of the ways same ways that these conversations that we've had behind closed doors have helped push us closer to god so yeah for i'm me, excited for me about that, it. yeah so that's for me that's kind of like why a podcast you know but i don't know what, what about you guys
1: i think it's really cool because it can be so easy if you are a christian it's very easy to be caught up in a Christian culture, and we talk about this all the Mm -hmm. time, each of us have had experience with that, and it becomes almost like a bubble. Everybody's talking about the same things. Everybody's expecting the same things to um, come from a sermon or a -hmm. conversation with a friend, even dating. um, We've talked about that, just how um, cultured dating can become, and just these topics um, that we're going to be talking about. And us being around each other we've developed a culture kind of outside the culture where we like to challenge those things and say are these things actually biblical how can we look at that um, through different lenses that may be counter but is still biblical and opening that up and and inviting that conversation to happen for all young adults is going to be so fun for us in our lives so fun for initiative and hopefully so fun for you guys listening
0: that's awesome. Cool. Okay, so I think we should start out just so this is the first episode ever, so maybe so people can get a feel for who we are, just to know who is saying what. Maybe we should go around and just real quick introduce ourselves. So um, I'm, I'll am i go first. I'm Ian Harbour. Uh, obviously, work here with Initiative. That's why I'm doing this. And uh, I do marketing for Initiative. That's what I'm in charge of.
2: Yeah, my name's John Pendergrass, and I am the assistant director for Initiative and for all you listening in, I'm excited to be doing this. I'm uh, just a huge proponent of uh, just being able to get the word out and, and really talk about topics that uh, I know that a lot of people are interested in, and people are extremely interested in uh,
3: perspective, so we're happy to share. My name is Grant Skeldon. I'm the founder of Initiative. I think the biggest uh, why for this, and the hopefully what makes it very helpful, is I feel like two things. is One... I feel like almost everyone is talking about Millennials lately, uh, and how they're rapidly leaving the church. But two, I feel like everyone that's talking about Millennials are not actually Millennials. So I'm hoping that this can be an unvarnished, authentic uh, representation of just a handful of Millennials, and where our heart is, and uh, giving a more accurate view of where young adults are. Because I think you can study stats and stuff like that. But if you really want to know the heart um, and the why behind a generation, I think you just need to listen to that generation. So I'm hoping that this can be something where we can be honest of where we are, but also um, be a generation that's very hopeful for where we're going.
1: I second that. My name is Chelsea Vaughn, and I'm Director of Internal Relations for Initiative.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Grant, I think um, what you're saying about millennials, talking about millennials, like, I think that's really important, though, because, John, like, just the other day, you were talking at this thing, like, um, that there's seats at the table. um, And for the longest time, there's been empty chairs at those tables where young adults should be sitting, um, helping make decisions with the big boys, I guess. You know what I mean? And really helping push the church forward. I mean, a lot of, you look at church history, like, a lot of the best or not the best that's too much to say but like a lot of the stuff that's come out of the early church was all done by young people like the oldest disciple was 21 years old and that was peter you know and i think um it's good that we're trying to finally that we're seeing young adults are finally being allowed to fill those empty spots at those tables and have a voice and have a say and and we're being invited into the conversation by the older generation and i think i've i've really benefited from that a lot i think that's been great
2: yeah, and, I, and when I said that, I really do feel like every city uh, throughout the United States, big or small, there is a table that God has set up. And I, and I do believe there's chairs at that table designed specifically for the next generation of the church. And when I said that, I felt, um, I felt strong conviction that, uh, there seems, like you said, there seems to be that real lack of attendance. There seems to be that real lack of a voice. And, and even bigger than that is wh- where, where are we in regards to just simply listening, learning, processing, and giving our perspective. So, uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said.
0: Cool. So, what were you gonna say, Grant?
3: Okay, so you the way you phrase it is that there is empty, empty chairs at the desk. I feel like all the t- the chairs at the desk or the table are full. I just feel like. There's not usually a designated chair where we want young adults. Yeah, but is there?
2: up.
1: we
3: either need to switch some chairs and play <laughs> some musical chairs, or we need to maybe just add a couple more chairs. I, I don't. I don't actually think they're at the table.
2: I think they're pushed out to the back side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's <where I> <laughs> some, they're some they're good at. imagery. So yeah. you say that they're already at the table. They're I at disagree. The kid, they're I at think the kitty table. No, I mean <laughs> actually, <that laughs> it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving, and they're over there at the kitty table, right? But my thing is, is there are actually chairs there, but that they're pushed almost outside where we can't even see the back of the heads of who sits at the table. Mm -hmm. And so I agree. I think I think we're there. I think. think, Yeah, go for it.
1: Who are the people sitting at the table? Should they be sitting there?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's I think it's the leadership who who has been leading for for for. For a long time, I think it's. I think it's and I don't. And, I, and please don't hear me wrong, Chelsea. I, I'm not. I'm not advocating that they need to be uprooted and moved. I think that they just need to realize that there is another generation that needs that we will hand this church to. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: no. So when we were when we were in New York, like, um, I was talking to one of the pastors, one of the pastors from Seattle, and we were talking and. He, uh, he Before he was a pastor, he was a, he was a college pastor. And so he has a really, really big heart for young adults. And that's what he was talking to me about. He's asking me all these questions about young adults. And um, one of the things uh, he said is, like, is it kind of hard for young adults to submit to, like, an older pastor? You know what I mean? And I told him, I was like, well, the church I go to, my pastor is 55. So that's that middle-aged pastor who's older than me. And, like, I think it's fine. Like, I love him. you know, And I think it's really easy young adults, and I think this is, of all the articles and stuff on millennials, I think part of this is really true, is that we do have a tendency to really be entitled, Um, and I told them it's easy in all of this for young adults to still come off entitled, you know, and I was like, just in the same way you guys need to be, like, giving us a seat at the table, we shouldn't feel entitled to that seat at the table, you know, and it's like, when we, when we first started Initiative, one of the big verses that always came up for us was is it First Timothy, Timothy 4. four twelve, mm-hmm. where it says, "Do not let do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but instead set an example for believers in faith, love, speech, purity, and conduct." And we always said, like, we get the first part down, but if you if you're not setting an example, then don't say you can't be looked down on. You know, so there's are I think those chairs are empty. They're there, but I don't think we're necessarily entitled to those chairs until we're setting an example for. Right. The believers. Yeah.
3: So Chelsea said, should the leaders be there? I think absolutely. It's yeah. not, uh, I don't believe in, and I've, I've seen churches where it's like, they want a certain demographic or age and you can almost age out as a pastor or a worship leader, whoever's on stage. I've, I've seen that where... You get a you get a certain age, and it's like, hey, we're trying to go after this demographic. I'm not, and I know we're not ever advocating for it. it needs to be young people predominantly. I think it needs to be every generation. And it's not really even a, when it comes to the leadership, in my opinion, it's not a race thing. It's not an age thing. It's like, it's every, it's, it's, what's your community look like, and is it represented? And it, if it's not represented through the leaders and the elders, then you're basically telling me you are reaching a different group than what's actually in the community because it's the same issue and it's not an age like for example race if i see a church that says they want uh to be a racially diverse church they're praying about it they're passionate about it but i, I look at the go on the website and look at their elders and it's all white middle class upper class elders that are white then you're telling me that's what you're actually going after, because that's who you want to put in leadership. That's yeah, and that who you one want to token black guy
0: doesn't count either. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, and it same, has to actually be diverse. You and it's not a white say, thing. It's not know. a black because the black yeah. the
3: black churches will have the one token, token white, white guy. guy yeah, uh, but if it's if it's all older white males or all older black males or whatever it is, you're saying this is this is who we're going after. If mm-hmm. it, if it's not uh, there's not multiple, gen- uh, I guess. There's only two genders, but if, there's, if, there's, if, if it's not diverse in gender, if it's not diverse in race, if it's not diverse in age, then you are making a statement this is truly mm-hmm. who we trust and uh, you attract the people in which you put in leadership. So yeah. I don't think it, I think it's you've, it's got to be and and it's not or it, it has kind of been or it's most, most of the churches I did this in the Greater Dallas area and I looked up some of the largest churches, in the Dallas area and I looked up at their elders and grand majority of all the largest churches I've ever seen all white male middle class and upper class well wow. hmm. well and you know and, and just talking
2: about the table still is something that we've all talked about actually experienced too is that we've had the opportunity uh, to preach in in several different churches throughout the metroplex and for those that we have been called to preach to, the the older generation who's present, there is no young people that we've seen in those churches, but they're so excited to have us there. And that's, that's encouraging. And I know that both E.M. Grant and myself uh, had experienced that. So when, when we do talk about this, I, I don't want to uh, put the stamp on it that we're not invited because I do see that hope like, man, the church is almost incomplete without the younger generation yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And that is so important. I think just st- saying that, that statement that the church is incomplete without having the younger generation and the older generation together. Mm-hmm.
3: Maybe speak into what uh, what have you seen as, I mean, our group has been able to work with different races, different uh, generations. What have you seen? Because kind of started off Millennials, Millennials. Now, what have you seen as Millennials have worked with these, uh, as you're saying, Xers and Boomers that are open-handed, what do they bring to the table that it's very uh, dire that young adults have in their life
2: a lot of it is experience yeah. you know they, they go before us with the churches always seem to we, we it's taken on so many different looks over the years uh, from worship to uh, just the different style of buildings that we use to worship the times but they have just an incredible amount of wisdom that they carry with them that we desperately need and I think that I, I say I can safely say this, but millennials seek that wisdom. We want to know yeah. what, what, how the church went before us, and we seek that. So I think that if I were going to answer that question from my personal opinion, it would be that we they have the wisdom, and I don't think we I think we get a bad rap for for almost seeming like we don't care to know or that we don't want to know when the truth of the matter is we do
3: right no that's okay so you guys didn't get to go to this event but um the highland so i was i was speaking at highland park presbyterian church and it was two. literally it was called the seniors class or seniors group and it was a a lot of crowd usually about 50 and up and um i was telling them that the number one thing that i think that millennials need is discipleship with mission and i think discipleship If it doesn't have mission, it's just it's just teaching. And Mm -hmm. um, so an invite into doing something about your faith and being the church rather than just going. And um, so really trying to break down what it looked like to disciple young adults. And I admitted I said, hey, I know that young adults uh, have come off like they know it all and let's be real you guys already know we don't and they just right. start laughing <laughs> yeah. like they're like they know they like, know we don't know. <laughs> and then they're like we don't say do we don't know I was like just hear a young adult say I know that we don't know and I already know you know that <laughs> <laughs> so they laugh and all that and I said but like we desperately need you and this lady this older woman like just I don't want to say she had tears in her eyes but like she was so sincere and asking it was Q and 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 she's like are you telling me that if I was to go to young people in my church that they would want to be discipled by me. That is so awesome to hear that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. And wow. like she didn't know like it was new to her, but it also is bad on us, I think, that that's even a question that she's right. sincerely got to wonder. Is we come off like we don't want help or need help or it's this way or the highway. Uh, the new church is going to look like this. Um, so... I, I think the wisdom is so dire that they can bring. And I think, uh, as we've said, I think they've been around a long time to, even if it's wisdom just through failure, which mostly is not the case, but even if it was just that, why would I want to go through all that? Like I, I remember hearing a pastor say, uh, our generation always says, live and learn, live and learn. And why would you not learn and then live instead? Uh, so really switch it. I want to learn from the guys that have come before us. So I think, I think that's a big piece is that, I would say the young adults' most valuable asset they have is discretionary time. In my opinion, that's good. Um, I think the most valuable asset that the generation that's gone before us is the wisdom. So, how to use that time wisely? Which Spurgeon would say. So, well, that's what I said too: is that we have knowledge, um, but Spurgeon says that wisdom is not just knowledge; it's knowledge used rightly. And I think that's what uh, the next generation or the generation before us has is that they have the wisdom so that we can use our discretionary time wisely instead of just with what we know today.
2: Well, let's talk about our posture for a minute as a generation because if that woman approached him and, as he said, almost with a tear in her eyes and said, so you're telling me that if I approach a young person that that they would be open to listening and accepting of the wisdom that I have, how are we posturing ourselves? How are we? Do, what, what kind of job are we doing as a generation when that's the kind of person? Because I don't think... that is a unique response I think that there's a lot of adults who and I say adults we're adults but a lot of the the older generation that we're almost unapproachable and do you guys agree with that or where do you guys stand on that because I don't understand as a generation how are we posturing ourselves to receive that wisdom as a generation what do you guys think about that
1: I think what I see a huge problem being is that we don't know how to approach them and they don't really know how to approach us. And that could be because we are segregated already. Our churches are separated and Mm. so we don't have access to one another. But I think the coolest thing for me when I heard the vision of initiative is that it is a place where we are connected with people that are movers and shakers in our city and seeing that and being able to have access to those types of people has been so incredible for me because I see them, I see that they're willing and then they see that I'm willing. And so it's this, this, um, need to know that they need to know that I'm interested. Um, and I don't know if, we're humble enough to really say, Hey, I, I need that. And I'm going to seek it out even if I don't know where to find it.
0: Mm-hmm. But is that, is that unique? Cause I mean like we, um, we as the people in initiative and the people who have come to our initiative gatherings and everything is, like they've been exposed to that older generation um, because we've sort of provided the space for it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these people don't know, a lot of younger people don't know about like maybe the Byron Sanders or Jim Dennison's of their area or whatever, because they're not necessarily looking for it. We've had the privilege of it and the people have come to initiative have had the privilege of it. But I know pre initiative, like I didn't know who these people were. Right. Um, And now that I know who they are, I'm like, yes, please disciple me because you have so much wisdom and experience and like, I want to model my life after you, um, but I didn't before. Before this, I didn't know any of those people, and so is this an exposure thing? Is this um, should churches be providing some sort of space to where the young adults and the older adults can mix and mingle, and maybe a young adult can identify a younger adult that they want to model their life after, or maybe vice versa, where uh, a older adult can find a younger adult that they want to. Uh, build up and, and mentor um, or is it sort of on each other to pick each other out of the crowd? So is there a way that the church can be helping that or Oh absolutely. Yeah, like what does that look like?
2: And I think that the church I think if if I were on senior staff of a church and I'm looking around at the table and everybody looks like me and I'm older, I'm gonna ask the question I would think that I would naturally ask the question we're not represented well. Like the, who who here is from the younger group? Wh- where are they at? Because I want their perspective, and if we're discipling and we have a discipleship model in place mm-hmm. in my church, then shouldn't we have the Timothys sitting next to us? Where are they at? And uh, so, so my thing is, is yes, it's 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 both and
0: mm-hmm.
2: because also, I mean, i we've all in this group have the the privilege of being able to disciple someone a little bit younger than ourselves. But I also like when people approach me and say, look, I'm interested. Because that means, one, they have a passion. Two, they're, they're genuinely interested. But I like what you're saying, Ian, because maybe we just don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. the younger generation just doesn't know because it's never been modeled for us. Mm-hmm. We've never seen that. There, there may be some people listening on here that say, no, my church does a great job. Amen, if that's the case. But I think across the board, I mean, we are here in Dallas, Texas, and of all the places of all the churches, this should be the one thing that we're excelling at. Clearly, as you just said, we don't know who the Jim Dennisons are. We don't know who the Byron Sanders are. We don't know who some of these men who are doing brilliant things for the kingdom, we didn't even know they existed. And and now that we've been exposed to that, mm-hmm. um, now we can go and say, Hey, please pull me under your wing. But I I don't know, I just I think it's both and.
3: I, I think that um, a big piece, the probably maybe I want to give the largest reason behind why why would, a, why would someone, an uh, Xer or a boomer think oh do young adults even want to be discipled and why would a young adult because I think like young, young adults are intimidated to ask uh, I agree with that um, Absolutely. why would that even be the case that these are uh, preconceived notions that are wrong uh, be the case and I would say the biggest thing I've noticed is probably the reasoning being proximity uh, in that Young adults, and by and large, from what I see, and y'all can tell me, y'all too, y'all are still in college right now, is that young adults, especially college students, spend time with their friends in college, of course. But then the kids in college that they spend time with, especially Christians, they then go to the church that everyone in their college goes to. So whether it's school, friends, or church, those are usually where we get in college age. That's where you get all your friends from. They're all the same friends, because... Your friends usually come from your college. Your church people are usually all the people that go from your school because you go and follow wherever they go. That's just what I've seen in the major cities. Uh, so all you end up spending your time with is, one, Christians, two, young Christians, and three, it turns into, <laughs> we need to get married, ring by spring <laughs> right. culture. Yeah. and oh, Well, and then same. So then if yeah. all the young adults leave, uh The churches, because you know, and there's a couple Christian colleges in the city, and it seems like some, a lot of them actually come from smaller churches that had uh, quite a bit of the older generation um, in a mix, uh, because they're maybe from small towns or whatever. But when they come to the big city, they go to the colleges, and then they go wherever their friends at the colleges go to church at, and then they're by and large surrounded by predominantly young adults, um, leaving all the other churches that. Uh, void of young adults so it's two generations doing work together and this is what's always hard is when you when i go to a conference that um when we go to a conference that's like predominantly xers and boomers uh they think it's so awesome what we're doing um but then we could go to a young adult a conference that has predominantly young adults and it's not that they don't like what we're doing but so it's like it's like it is going on it's just these conferences or these groups are just working separately you're not in the same rooms but it's not like young adults aren't doing anything we just happen to spend a lot more time with the older generation and then they see it and i think there's you can realize they're so uh not used to seeing young adults on fire for christ but then we go back into our world which is usually around young adults and so we
2: believe that they're segmented. I mean, yeah. they really
3: are segmented, yeah. and you can see those lines.
1: When I was a freshman, I remember going to a church, and it was primarily young adults. There was some uh, mid-adults, I guess you could say, and I saw one old lady there. And immediately, the mo- the first time I even saw this woman, I walked up to her and asked her if she would disciple me. <laughs>
3: oh
1: I didn't even know this woman, and yet I wanted— oh I. I had she this, <laughs> she said, no,
0: oh, no.
1: <laughs> I'm so serious, okay. but well, honestly, no put
0: in one. we have, <laughs> that was a little too spontaneous. We have,
1: yeah, we have this model of discipleship and young adults are very passionate about discipleship, but I didn't know what it should look like. I didn't know what I should be looking for. And I think I can circle around to my point in knowing I didn't have access to people that were older than me, that were movers and shakers. And so I didn't know that they were out there. I didn't have access to them. And so the first older lady that I saw, she would be a perfect mentor for someone else, I'm sure. But that wasn't meant to be. So what do you look for in somebody that you want to disciple? I mean, how, mm-hmm. how do we know what to look for?
2: So let's get into this. Let's talk about discipleship. I think we should build around this because this is important. And you know, you talking about going into uh, a church or a conference or wherever you were at, it's and the church. ladies just straight up told you no. Um, <laughs> that would have been discouraging for me first and foremost. I would have been like, that man. Would be really well, see,
3: real quick, how yeah. how many times have y'all been said told no when asking to decide Because I've been told like four times. I like, I have been told no four three time times, pastors, and they're pastors. Yeah, and. All four times. The reason being was they were too busy with ministry to disciple anyone. Yeah, I'm not lying. Unfortunately, that's the truth. And and that's true. I'm sure. But uh, Jesus had a
2: strategy, and um, I want to model that strategy. <laughs> but I would agree uh, that that is the case. It's happened to me. We're just Chelsea. You just said that you were told no. I don't know how many times it's happened. It's you know rejection is that like can the be worst hard. thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just relationship. Talking about getting rejected yeah. by somebody who is <laughs> seeking yeah, 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 yeah. to. Like, can you tell me more about Christ than how can to live you show like me about Him? Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> but but talking about discipleship, I mean, we there's hundreds of different topics that that we can discuss around this. But I think one of the first ones that maybe we can talk about is what is discipleship? What? How would you guys define discipleship in your terms? What do you think it is?
0: What does our generation say discipleship is? Well, I think those are two very different questions. Yes, like, what nice. is discipleship, and then what is our generation? Yeah, defined? so let's start with the first so one. maybe let's start, start with the, the second one. What, what do we all the, know? Yeah. What do we think? When I think of discipleship, okay, when I think of what our generation thinks of discipleship as, and I don't think this is wrong necessarily, but I think it's incomplete, is, like, finding someone maybe a few years older than you, not necessarily really older, but just, like, you know, a couple of grades or whatever <laughs> yeah it exactly. is, you it really know is. like hey i'm a freshman we just senior, ask our young old you know, friends so that are true. a little older a so little bit so older true. and so we do that and then that looks like going to starbucks and maybe reading romans and some spurgeon or something you know <laughs> maybe like, some
1: cool local coffee shop maybe
0: I mean, a local coffee crazy. shop maybe go to houndstooth or something oh my god right? now, so now, totally now, now you I, know that there's that person out there listening right now that's saying but what's wrong with that no but okay see i don't think there's anything wrong with that like the first so i was I was first No no because no, here's the deal No no I don't I don't want to knock it too bad because that was my first I first started getting discipled in eighth grade and that was what it looked like. My eighth grade this guy asked me if he could disciple me and I said yes and every Sunday morning we'd go to Panera and eat some bagels and he took me through 30 days of understanding the Bible and that was foundational for me. It really really yeah. was. And then all throughout high school, I was mentored by a guy, and it really was, a lot of the time, let's go to Starbucks and let's talk about stuff. So I'm, I don't want to knock that. I think that, like I said, I don't think it's wrong. In fact, I think that's good. But I do think it's incomplete. Yeah. Um, so the church I came from, like, the way, the student ministry is interesting. The student ministry was almost its own church in a lot of ways. It was big and, like, had their own leadership and everything, and a lot of their own vision in a lot of ways, too, from the rest of the church. Um and one of the things that they, they hammered this into leaders, and therefore it kind of got hammered into us secondhand as well, is First uh, Thessalonians where it says, "Like we loved you so much that we shared not only the gospel with you, but also our own lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important when it comes to discipleship. And I know, I know, Grant, you can talk about this some more, but it's like there's to discipleship, to them, it was the gospel, and there was this intentional, let's sit down, let's talk about the gospel, let's talk about it in your life, let's talk about it. In the world, there is that part of it. And so that's why I don't want i don't want to knock the whole coffee Starbucks thing because I think there's a lot of merit to that. Um, but it's incomplete because you're sharing the gospel with each other and you're growing in that. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're growing in life. It, I think obviously the gospel is going to overflow into your life to some degree. Um, but a lot of it can be theory. Like when I was being discipled, yes. I learned humility in theory but i was still like i could tell you about it it's not but i was still but it wasn't modeled for me you know what i mean and so i had to learn a lot of that and i am learning a lot of that the hard way of when maybe humility maybe it's being in a situation that makes me prideful and having to learn i need to be humble in this situation you know what i mean and so um it's it's good and you need that but if there's no like sharing the gospel and your life with that person, then it's incomplete. So I don't want to, I don't want to knock that model. I think there's merit to it. I think we should be doing that, but I think that's, that's half of the equation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Chelsea, what would you say? Like, what is your, like, what is your, what do you understand discipleship to be as being millennial? Like, what is, what is it
1: to you? Yeah. I think I could talk for so long about this and I like that I'm here so I can kind of give any women that are listening a perspective because I was kind of intimidated hearing y'all's model of discipleship and saying, okay, I don't know how effective that could be for me. It could definitely is, but hearing Ian say, um, it's incomplete. You can't swing to either side of the pendulum because you have to share life with this person. You have to see the way that they do life, but you also, especially, especially for women, you have to understand the emotional aspect of this is a person and this isn't just um, us running around together, but we are actually uh, sharing our hearts and we're sharing our lives. The mentor that taught me, I mean, so much, we would gather together at Starbucks, Mm -hmm. um, once a week. And we did that very traditional style, but we had, we were walking life together outside of that once a week Mm -hmm. thing. And even to this day, as much as we talked, we talked so much, but to this day, the thing that I learned most from her is obedience because this woman was one of the most wise women. She I mean, she knew so much. And she was working uh, two jobs. One, she was working at a coffee shop. And two, she was a waitress at a restaurant. And she was finishing school. And so for her to live a life that was less than ideal for her, she was not happy doing that. Um, But for her to be so obedient, knowing that she had to finish school in order for her to continue doing what she wanted to do... That's what taught me most. She was obedient when it was hardest, and she was really honest with me about it being hard. And now moving into where I am discipling younger girls, I think about that a lot, and I think about her transparency with me. And for me, I being a disciple now, I kind of or a disciple I guess. I kind of catch myself being like, oh, I can't be honest about my struggles or, oh, I can't be honest. I've
0: caught myself in that. What does that look like? Yeah.
1: So
2: I've had, I'm in a unique situation and phase of life uh, within this ministry because I'm just on the border of the millennial generation and the Gen Xers. I'm, I'm kind of a tug of war between the two. But I've always poured into the younger generation. I never had a mentor ever, and you guys have heard me talk about mm-hmm. that before. Yeah. But God has really used me in a unique way, and it's, I say that with the greatest amount of humility. But doing life with young men and, and women, specifically getting the opportunity to mentor so many, so many younger men, is that there's almost this pragmatic uh, just this process that comes into play because that's the only thing that was shown to me is that you sit down at a Starbucks or you sit down um, in someone's living room with a Bible, open it up, and then you immediately take them to the Word. Is that good? Absolutely. Yes, it is. But what I found is that when I was taking a drive with some of these guys, it was in my truck. It was um, grabbing something to eat. It was on the go. It was them hearing me talk on the phone to other people. It was shopping in the grocery store. I mean, I think back to getting to do all those things with those people where that really Actually, took more root. And again, it's not. I am not. I'm not saying that. Don't take them to the scripture. But what I'm saying, some of the most powerful moments for me, without even knowing I was doing it, was just them walking beside me, riding in the car with me, um, just talking about life. What are the experiences that I had? Because when you started to do that, I've noticed that people become a lot more transparent. And I think opening up the scriptures and pointing them to the word that is good and amen. But that transparency
0: is something that we really need and I think young people are starving and hungry for that so yeah and so I think there there's a couple of things I'm thinking when you're talking so with that I some of the most uh foundational moments for me too were more in that um let's just go do like because I think you said like he you took you grocery shopping I went grocery shopping with my mentor you know what I mean just little things like this where you just get a sneak peek into not ministry side of their life or not business side of yes. whatever it is yeah. you know And I think, especially, we're talking about this um, gospel-life balance of discipleship, and it's obviously both, Um, but obviously the whole sit-down, Starbucks, that thing, that model, doesn't necessarily work for everybody, especially because a lot of these, a lot of the people that you look up to and would want to mentor you, um, probably, you want them to mentor you, obviously, because they're leading lives that you want to model yourself after, Mm -hmm. Um, but because of that, like they're probably busy because they're doing those things that you want to model. So Grant, I know you talk about this a lot, um, that exact thing. So maybe you can talk about the whole calendar thing about discipleship, what you've been doing the past few years and how that's worked for you.
3: Yeah, so one speaking on um, just, so what could that look like? What should that look like? Uh, One big piece we have not brought up, and I, I want to bring it up before going into what it could look like, and it helps you set the tone, especially... Because I think, I think who has been initiating the discipleship is the exact opposite of who it should be. Um, so if I'm preaching to um, the older generation, I'm 24, so anything 25 and up, I mean older. Um, when I preach to them, I say, guys, it's honestly like, one, the older generation, I've noticed, or uh, established leaders, they feel that... Um, that the younger generation doesn't want them. And I can tell every time I speak to them that they are shocked that I I think they're one of the greatest solutions to help the younger generation. And they uh, then say, okay, well, what does that look like? And I'll say, well, one, you guys should be the ones initiating, asking someone to be discipled by you. Like, if you look at, I think I had a shift about two years ago where I started asking myself, what did Jesus do? And however, whatever the issue is, whatever the thing is, if it's uh, responding to haters, to uh, who he spent his most of his time with and how, uh, to um, how he prayed for people, what prayer even looked like, everything should be like, what? how did Jesus handle that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to discipleship, I started reading the gospel. The gospels and everything differently when I started thinking, okay, Jesus can teach me more about just the gospel and salvation he can teach me about how to live my life That's good. and um, he was the initiator and it was first move like I, I for one of the first plays was okay I need a team I need to disciple and so he was strategically the one that went to go ask so for a lot of the churches there, there is no plan or model so I the first thing is what's the issue is proximity young adults and older generation are not uh, usually in relationship with each other and if they are it's not strong and or consistent then too is there's no model or structure in the church um that's the discipleship is the only thing in the church that i've uh, in matthew 28 that is a verb slash call to action that is not modeled uh there's a plan for making uh, there's a plan for going and missions there's a plan for baptizing there's a plan for teaching but there's no plan for making disciples if you are a young adult at your church Most of the time, you can go to your pastors or leaders and you say, Who and how can I be discipled? Uh, I don't, yeah, we don't, there's no structure. Mm -hmm. There's a structure for everything else because it's a value that we care about. Go to your Jesus, King, Mm -hmm. Lord said, This is important to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I think a lot of times when it comes to discipleship, that's the one thing that they leave up to be, quote unquote, organic. You know what I mean? It's like, Find someone, how do you feel about (laughs) organic? Okay. Because, I mean, like, they, they leave it up to you to sort of like, Find someone you click with. And the way you, what did Jesus do? He literally just like went to places. Okay, like, hey, so you. let's talk about yeah. organic. That was organic. He just picked them.
3: A.K.A. we have no plan. Organic. <laughs> 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 My, well, Here's the two things. It's, well, we want to do that organically or two. And these are, these are a lot of churches that say this. We do that organically. We want that to be natural. Okay, I get that. Or two, you should join a small group, home group discipleship group life group whatever group you want to call it you should basically join a small group and in that you will organically or naturally find someone to disciple you my main problem with uh discipleship being organic is that jesus was strategic that's number one reason jesus did not organically pick that's all right. 12 disciples Dang. he it was the very first move i'm gonna pick the disciples and then and this is my question to leaders pastors churches anything which came first <laughs> no, I'm not going to say the chicken and the egg. Chicken. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought no, honestly, <laughs> which one. honestly, which came first, the disciples or the upper room? Like, mm. did Jesus form the upper room and get that room ready and say, okay, guys, like, I'm forming a group and invite, it's like, whoever, yeah. invite anyone and say, okay, I'm going to get about 12 and then that will be the disciples? Or did he pick individually discipling these guys, which naturally mm. and easily formed a small group? Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that some pastors uh, read. <laughs> Read uh, Matthew twenty-eight. Like, go therefore and make small groups, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, baptizing them about, yeah. in the name of the Father and teaching them to observe all that yeah. I've commanded you. Because small groups is like the biggest thing, and I'm for small groups, and I'm for yeah, community. Small not bad at all. Uh, I just think that we put the cart before the horse whenever we we say we're going to focus on small groups, and then hopefully that leads to discipleship. No, I think you should focus on discipleship, and that will naturally and more easily. Uh, have a byproduct of small groups because i let's be honest going into a small group is awkward many times (laughs) um trying to force random people to uh do community together is very difficult but how much easier is it going to be someone when yes i agree i want to be discipled by you and then let's say us four us four right here if we are discipling one individual that wants to be discipled by us, they're being discipled, and we decided to form a small group. Clearly, we're friendship. We already have a friendship, so that's easy. That's fun. Then we bring in these four people that are behind us, that are following us as we follow Christ. They they get along with us, because I, I hope, because they're following <laughs> us and yeah. being discipled by us. Yeah. Right away, that's eight people that... If we get along and they get along with us, they're that's probably going to get along with us. Yeah, that's a small group. It yeah. makes it very easy to form a small group. I just, I don't see where that's happening really mm-hmm. much. So that's that's number one. So <laughs> number one. two. Your question was, um, what does it look like, or what could it look like? Um, oh, I forgot. We yes. even got to so, the So yeah. wow. well, because I think number no, one is good, who, yeah, yeah, who yeah, does yeah. the now, and I and so. But when I speak to the younger generation, I said. Hey, it's probably not going to happen. You're probably not going to be asked to dis- be disabled I have, in my entire life, I don't. I know I've never been asked. I guys, tell me if you've ever I know a young asked, adult so, that have been asked. I. Yeah. I don't think it's something that happens like a ton. But see,
0: here's the thing. Here's the difference, though. I was asked in junior high and high school ministry. Yeah. Since being in college, I've never been asked. So, I mean, to the the. People, you guys, who are probably listening to this, like is you guys probably haven't ever been asked. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've never been asked as a young adult. Maybe you're asked in high school. And in high school, but, yes. But that's I different. was asked in high school. When, yeah,
3: I, right after I got. That's saved. But but different
0: though. Right out of exiting high school is the toughest. Yeah,
3: and that's the yeah, time yeah. When I, everyone's leaving the church. That's one of
0: the most critical times. Yes,
3: be I'm saying 18. like yeah, after eighteen is probably yeah, yeah, yeah. around that age. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to talk about with yeah. that. But what I think it could look. So I tell young adults, hey own it, man. You go ask, because don't wait and use that as an excuse. You go ask. And um, it's really, I'd say, older generation, please ask, and then younger generation, ask. But what it practically could look like, and then I'll let you guys come in. Sorry, I've been going for a long time. No, this is good. Is, um, so like I said, I asked around four different pastors would they disciple me? Because the first guy, I got saved, two weeks later, this guy discipled me. And as we're talking, about, it wasn't, let's meet once a week at Denny's. It was, It was, come and do ministry with me. You're going to follow me. I'm going to empower you. And I I owned a lot of things. And I think uh, we need more owners in the church and less members of the church. Or members should be owners. Uh, So that's that's why I took this very seriously. Because if it didn't happen, it was on me. And that was the kind of discipleship of, Mm -hmm. you have substantial um, amount of responsibility in this gospel work. Uh, So when I asked those four guys, though, they were just like, oh... Really, they didn't even know each other, all four different different leaders and pastors. And they all were like, man, I just can't. I'm so busy with ministry. I'm wanting to start discipling. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, Jesus Christ is, like, the guy we're trying to follow. And that's, like, his first move was discipleship. He never stopped discipleship. That was the strategy and plan for a ministry. I don't understand how ministry could be the excuse for not discipling yeah. it is the ministry so
0: discipleship was plan a
3: so but know. what i learned was it was busyness was the the actual problem is uh, insincerity it was a lot of and a ton of busyness so what i started thinking mm-hmm. is how could we invite people into that so what we try to do here at initiative is you're going to want to ask a guy that is usually busy and because or has a life that is busy because you want to i mean he's leading a life that is making an impact and those are usually the kind of people you want to ask to decide you. Unfortunately those people are busy. So not asking them, hey, can you add me to your calendar? because that is the question every busy they person don't have any is space asked. In the there is no calendar yeah. space. Yeah, it's always like that's the question they're asked every single day almost is, Hey, when are you free? Uh, that's the question you don't want to ask a busy person. Mm-hmm. So instead of asking when are you free saying, Don't add me to your calendar like when you're free, add me to the in your calendar. Like, what are you doing that I can come with you to? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to sit there and I want to watch you. And then afterwards, I'll ask you questions on the drive to the next meeting, the next event you're speaking at, the next dinner, lunch, whatever your life looks like that clearly is modeling Christ for me and I want to follow. Can I be added to that? And I've noticed it looked a lot more like the gospel when I read Jesus is, uh, it wasn't necessarily Jesus sitting down with these guys. It was him doing ministry, the disciples being there, and then afterwards saying, Hey, why did you say this? Or why didn't you say this? Mm-hmm. Uh, why did not you explain it more to them? And Jesus pulls them aside. What I didn't say to them, I'll say it to you. And it's these follow-up questions on the walk to the next event. Uh, I just, I've noticed and I've seen men that are very young grow up very quickly and mature in Christ because they were disciples through that model. So it seems like we put... And, and I know this
2: is not what we're directly saying, but it seems like we're putting a lot of this weight on the pastors themselves. I think what we're really saying is, is there is some weight on the pastors themselves to develop a model and to develop a strategy. But who is it that we really need to be seeking within the church to disciple? And I think this is where the men and women of the church who have been there for a little while need to step up and, and start seeking people out. Um, so, what I would, so what I would say is, is that uh, if you're listening and you just happen to be a pastor, uh, we're not saying you're not you're not doing your job. What we are saying is is because we understand you have a busy calendar, is develop a strategy, have something available for us to come to, and who can we seek out within the church? And if you do push us back to the home group, um, most home groups have about twenty to fifteen to twenty people in those groups. Even there, it, it is it's scarce to be able to find someone who can. Um, mentor us and and have time for us. So what do we do in those situations? Um, I think that's another question that we'll have to tackle. And what do you say about that, Grant?
3: And small groups is so small groups about small groups has blown up in the last it has. decade. But it's, it's last five years, years. Yeah. it is like the silver bullet right now. Unfortunately, uh, like not unfortunately, it just is. It is like <laughs> it, is. it is what it is right now. And. I don't think I would be alone, and many young adults listening to this knows what it feels like to be the token young person in a group full of married or older people that are talking about things that are not relevant to our life. Now, I think, and I, and I, I like being, I mean, we spend time with every generation all the time. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I was, just, I was mm-hmm. telling you, I was just at an event where I'm the only young person, and I love that, and I enjoy it, and I learn a ton, because I get to see into what is coming, um, but I don't think, I don't think that small groups should only be for the purpose of so you can prepare for what's in the future. I think it should be able to tackle what's happening now as well as that. So, multi generational small groups. But I just think it's it's difficult when small groups is the thing because, yeah, I mean that's usually the story is mm-hmm. that you're the one young person. Everyone's talking about their babies waking up at 3 in the morning and having to feed them to picking up their kids to juggling three jobs. And it's just different than studying for midterms. And the, oh, God, please give me a husband and wife, like, problem. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I don't, yeah, it's hard. You know, what was very interesting was um, that group that came by, I, I think they were working with the Barna group. And they went to all the major cities, the East Coast, West Coast, and the South. And they found that the number one thing that young adults wanted out of church that they found statistically above all like about preaching, good music, worship, uh, whatever, was a place to connect. That was it. The largest thing. So you're not going to really get to do that Sunday morning too much when you're looking at the back of people's heads. That's okay, um, because there's a purpose for Sunday morning. But if small group is going to be that and you get to connect, but it's again not a place to connect to your generation then you, we're leaving ourselves in a pool of just the people we know at our school, at our church. Um, we, I just think we need to step out a little more or offer something. That's why I just think discipleship solves a lot of these these issues because it, it forces us to um, mature and be in pockets of people that we're not usually around.
1: Definitely. I, I agree. I second. I think something hopeful to talk about um, or just to mention is that Small. I mean, exactly the model that Grant was talking about of, hey, get your friends together and get the people that they are discipling together and make your small group look like the people um, that you would have disciple you. I think a huge issue is that we are in small groups um, with people that. it's not that we don't want to be in small groups with people that are in different stages of life or that are struggling with something different because the most beautiful, Mm -hmm. not the most beautiful, but one of the most beautiful things about the church is that we're diverse. That's one of initiative's biggest values is diversity and unity in diversity. But doing that in a way where we are diverse and yet we have a, a core mission that is the same. And that that mission is living the gospel through our lives. It's not um, the gospel and our life. It, it's it's one in the same. And if we're looking at small group and we're looking at discipleship, making it where we will be doing life with these same people and we are able to see the way that their lives are influencing us in a diverse way, but also in a way where we're running life with them. They're different from us, but we're running life with them. That's so important yeah. because if you're just meeting on Wednesday nights and then going and never seeing each other until the next Wednesday night, that's where my problem is with small group.
3: Yeah, I think, yeah, discipleship allows it to be authentic relationships where you want to be around those people, so it's not a forced... Hey, are you guys free this night? And you wanna kind of force community? I didn't even think about that. It's good.
0: All right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, national let's, no, no, so that's good, let's that's good. let's let's end yeah, on some we're, some hopeful stuff. We're, yeah, because we're we're pushing time here. So
3: okay, so up. some hopeful things for you, Ian. I haven't chimed in for a second.
0: Some hopeful. Th- okay, so for me, here's here's the hopeful thing for me is since since we've started doing what we do. Um, cause like what we talked about, like since high school, like there hasn't been this seeking out of, um, discipleship from the older generation, at least that I've experienced personally, you know? Um, and quite frankly, like I didn't know that that was what I needed either, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, uh, I didn't necessarily seek that out either. I was seeking out someone just a couple years older than me that I looked up to and thought was cool, you know? But, um, I think since starting what we've since starting initiative, since we've been doing what we've been doing, like I've realized, like wow, there's so many people that are older than me out there that are wise and um, connect with my personality more than I thought. Like um, that have their feet in the different sectors of life that I want to have my feet in in the future. And those are the people I want to model myself after and live after. And some of them are really unexpected for me, but those yeah, are the people I want good. to. Um, I want to be like when I grow up even if I two year ago you know year ago I never would have expected myself to want to be like them now I find myself wanting to so the hopeful thing for me is like those people are out there and whether they approach me or I have to approach them no matter what it is they're out there um, and they didn't know I was willing to be discipled and I am and I didn't know they were willing to disciple but now I know they are and so for me that's the hopeful thing is they're there they're willing no matter who has to initiate what um it's possible and they're there yeah i want
3: to say one thing or there's two things i want to sympathize and then also uh, a big a huge hopeful thing that i think will all resonate with is um one of the things that this is heavy for me and i don't think i've told y'all this either is when i was uh I spoke at... This was a couple months ago in a Waco. I spoke... It was a lot of pastors there, and then they had me preach on discipleship, and I... Basically, everything I'm saying now. And one of the guys... One of the main leaders in the Houston area works with a lot of pastors, and he was an older guy, and he came up and said... Um, he pulled me aside, and this... So I said, tears in the eye for the lady. This guy for sure had tears in his eyes. I just... such a, So much, like... Just eye-to-eye eye looking at me, yeah. and I said... He just said... Hey, we have dropped the ball in discipleship. You, you, what you're saying is is right. I I never saw it until now um, as much as like you've shown it. But know this, and he said, our generation wasn't discipled either. Hmm. And I had never thought about that. Like I never, I never. I was like, wow. And and it was really heavy for me that they're just doing what they were shown as well. So it really made me realize. A lot of us, I know me, you, a lot of us have, and, and, and I think this is a thing we haven't touched on, why discipleship is also so important to us, maybe in this season, is well, this is a generation without fathers, a lot of it's fathers, mm-hmm. or yeah, if it's they good. do have Gosh. fathers, they're not spiritual leaders. Yeah. yeah. So we don't, we desire to be in that kind of family or at least see what it looks like. I think that's why we covet being at a dinner table with a family that looks like that, because we never knew what that looked like. Yeah. Um, So, for a lot of men, though, Christian men, leaders that I know, they're young, that didn't have that kind of dad. they want to change that legacy. I think we've all talked about that. Yeah, we all have. So, in the same way, I think uh, we, in our generation, meaning just the generation living today, we have got to take responsibility for others' irresponsibility and Mm -hmm. change the legacy of discipleship and what it looks like to be a woman of God and what it looks like to be a man of God. Uh, through discipleship and I think that's something we all have to own because it's not like it's their fault because it seems like at some point down the road we all just drop the ball in discipleship and it's not one generation's fault two um, the hopeful for me and if we're short on time we'll end on this is this the older generation that we work with and it's a myriad of different sectors where they work in yeah. and uh, are doing and it's all ages but it, the guys that work with us they have an enthusiasm about discipleship and the younger generation yeah. that is like unreal every yeah. time and you can ch- tell in the face change to the excitement to they will invite us to everything now and that's <laughs> like i feel like i I've, I've never my my grandparents on my mom, dad's side are in africa and i've met them once so I, I don't really know what it feels like too too much to have grandparents but I feel like I have so many grandparents yeah. in Dallas because they will invite us to everything ever. Like, and it's so cool. It's a totally different temperature mm-hmm. and climate when it comes to discipleship and enthusiasm towards this generation that I've ever seen.
1: It's awesome.
2: That's good. Yeah. I say the just ending would be that the good news is, is this is that Jesus did understand the, the difference in generations. He was a son first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we do have a really big opportunity uh, as a generation to um, almost model it because we will be, we will be uh, modeling for the upcoming generation. There's already a generation beneath us. Yeah. And I think that when you spoke about the guy who said, Grant, it wasn't modeled for us, mm-hmm. um, and then we, we spoke a little bit and touched on that you know, we would hope that the church and the people within the church would come down and grab us and ask us, we may have to continue to go and ask them. And so I, I, I do yeah. think that there is um, good news in the fact that everybody needs to exercise humility, yep. which if, we've, if we are truly operating under the gospel and, and under the good news that Jesus has redeemed us and we are regenerate and we, we have these things that have been promised the Spirit, is that we can exercise um, that humility and that we can go and say, look, I need a mentor. And if you're told no, then don't let that discourage you mm-hmm. to keep trying. But the point is, is that we need somebody who has a little bit more life experience than us. But that when you start to receive this, make sure that you're pouring out as well. Make sure that you are looking to the generation behind you and doing the mm-hmm. exact things that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So that excites me, but we have got to start doing this. And But I'm hopeful and I look forward to the future that... Uh, I think this generation does want to disciple and they do want to be discipled. And I, I just think we need to be open-minded, that we need to be patient and that we need to be first and foremost humble,
0: I think. Good. Well, there you have it. The first ever episode of the Initiative Podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we had fun recording it. It was a blast doing this, and I know all of us are excited to be able to keep doing this week in and week out with you guys. So um, the next episode is going to be on calling. It's a thing that millennials always have to wrestle with, which is what is your calling? What do you do with it once you find it out? And just um, wrestling with calling. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week on the next episode. Listen, if you guys have any, Any questions that you might have for us, you can send them to us at hey at initiativenetwork.org. Send us any questions you have, and we'll do what we can to answer them on air in the future. Um, And if you have any stories for us, um, maybe you've come to an initiative event, and you've had a life-changing experience, or you've met someone that's really helped you out, um, or maybe it's this podcast or one of our blogs. If initiative has at all impacted your life, um, please go to our website, initiativenetwork.org, Um, scroll all the way to the bottom and click the share your story button and send us your story. We would love to hear it and we'd love to tell it. We love you guys. uh, Love your city. Love God. Love people. You're awesome. Take care.